Welcome to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. I'm your host, Michael T.Y.P. Cole. And with us this week, we have Jimmy J. Or James, well, hello. James Jones. Uh, and uh, it's a very special episode today. It's the big 5-0, episode 50 of, uh, of Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. Uh, ignoring the pilot, I suppose. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And... Um, we actually, it actually turned out kind of well. We have a, a, I wanted to do something special for the 50th episode, and things fell into place in part because of uh, the troubles with my computer. Um, I apologize that it's been like a month since the last episode, but uh, I had some hardware failures. I had to replace some hardware. Um, so for episode 50, uh, it's kind of coinciding with uh, the, the release of the Game Boy, at least in Japan, which. Oh god, I should have written down the date. When was it? April 21st. April 21st. So, uh, it was 1989. Uh, April 21st, 1989, Game Boy was was unleashed in Japan. So, uh, this week uh, all the games are from the Game Boy series. So, we're talking Game Boy, Game Boy, uh, Super Game Boy if you could count that as a separate platform. Uh, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. Uh, Virtual Boy doesn't white count in my mind because it's not really portable and nor is it game boy it's got it's got batteries yeah but it's called virtual boy it is stupidly battery powered <laughs> it's not pocket sized or or able <laughs> I, mean, I, I guess i guess the original fat game boy is potentially not pocket sized but it's still portable um without like packing it in your backpack um Anyway, so yeah, so all five games were selected by uh, no, that's a lie. All five games are for the Game Boy series. One <laughs> one of them is selected by listeners, a listener. Ugh, I can't speak anymore. One of- <laughs> we're already going for a good episode. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't get enough sleep. Um, yeah, so uh, actually, it will will not be the third game today because we kind of wanted to do things in order. Uh, so that's kind of a hint helps you. So it should be kind of easy because we've gotten you lots of hints. But um, it's on Game Boy. It's kind of in chronological order. Uh, but it should be a good time. It should be good times. Um, I'm rambling. Uh, and um, <laughs> at least my back isn't hurting anymore. Uh, all right. Well, that's a positive. That's though. a positive. Look at the bright side. There you go. All right. Let's go on to the first game. Yay! Woo! I bet you know what it is. Well, actually, you do know what these are. We we I did do. we did consult in order order to get something we all I, liked. I, I can I can pretend to play and get a perfect score. I mean, no, my confidence does need such things. <laughs> no.
By the way, uh, you can't tell over Skype, but arguably the biggest thing this game has going for it is it's in stereo. Ooh. <laughs> so here's your question. Bonus stages are themed after which other game? Yeah, that's it. This is the music track is comparable to uh like I don't know uh early NES stuff. Like really. yeah, like pinball for the NES. But it's in stereo. It's right. The NES can't do that. Yeah. So, uh this game uh was a launch title called Alleyway, which I'm sure most people have forgotten about because it isn't all that notable actually. No, it's a clone of it, the yeah, other games. It's it's a it's a pretty simple breakout clone. Um you drive around in this little paddle which supposedly is I guess being steered by Mario cuz he jumps into the paddle at the beginning. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and um and the boat and it's it's pretty simple. I mean, they're like three block types, I think. There're no power-ups or anything. Um if you take too long and you will because it's very tedious. Um, the the ceiling starts to move down, and so if if a block hits your paddle, I think it's it's game over, or at least you lose a life. I don't remember. And um, I, I don't know. It's it just sort of a cheap and, and boring. I mean, like you can get stuck in this little rut, you know, going the same spot over and over again, mm-hmm. really easily in this game. While time keeps ticking down. Yeah, and and if you uh, in the early levels, like the, there's a ceiling. But in later levels, there isn't. And if you touch the ceiling, which you will because you're playing Breakout Clone, um, you your paddle shrinks to like half the size. Um, oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's very frustrating. And it really isn't, <laughs> to be honest, it, conceptually, good. it really isn't very good for a portable game <laughs> in general. Because uh, there's no save. And, you know, you'll probably wind up just playing the first 10 levels over and over again. Um no, yeah. It was either this or it was either this or I guess Tetris. Um, which is, well, I, yeah, the, what were the launch games? It was like this Tetris and I guess Super Mario Land, right? Yeah. And um, Tetris I'm, did Tetris come with the system or was it bundled in later? I don't remember. I should know that shit. I think it came with the system because that was like the big I, thing. Yeah, it's like the third. It's still like number three best-selling Game Boy game. Uh, I, I think it was packaged in because I mean that was like basically synonymous with with the Game Boy, at least originally. Yeah, um, I, in research for this, I went and looked at the list, and basically it's just Tetris in an island in a sea of Pokemon for the uh, best oh. rele- or for the highest releases on the Game Boy. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so anyway, I would not really recommend it. I, I think that uh, if it were not a launch title, Nintendo wouldn't have released it. Um, <laughs> I'll put it that way. It, it really is do- not held up well. I do like that Mario pilots the paddle, though. Yeah, that counts as story for a Nintendo game. <laughs> it does, and um, also the bonus stages are a bit different. Um, I mean, it's a standard get all the blocks, but the, in the bonus stages, your ball goes through the blocks. Like it'll collect them and keep going in the same direction. And it's the only section of the game that has like background music. Um, <laughs> what? And, and, yeah, I, I, like when you're playing the normal game, like the the normal levels, all all you're hearing is beep, 
bong, whooshing, bong. <laughs> oh, so, that yeah, would never get old. That would never get old, no. So bonus stages are a breath of fresh air because uh, there's music, uh, the ball goes through the blocks, and the blocks are kind of arranged uh, to look like sprite artwork from Super Mario Brothers for the NES. So they have like whatever, fire flower, prana plant, cheap, cheap, um, that kind of stuff. Which is kind of neat, I guess. Um, but not that original, I guess. No. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. Why did I choose this game again? for? Uh, oh, because I, uh, because I, we'd already used Super Mario Land. And uh, I didn't want to use Tetris. It would be too too painfully obvious, in my opinion. And, and I, there's, what, two songs in Tetris? It would be short a song. Uh, there's probably like a, like a, um, some sort of ditty, <laughs> you, the introduction. You lose music. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I could have done something. Yeah, exactly. Or isn't there like a castle that they show after you, like you you beat a level or something? Oh, that's true. Yeah, I'm sure there's some sort of song that goes along with that. But yeah, so you know, Game Boy originally came out. Um, big fat system. What was it? Four batteries? Four AAA? Yes, four four double A's. I'm sorry, four double A's. Uh, yeah, what was, what was I thinking? AAA. Four double A's and. Um, Big honking screen, big honking, but it said dot matrix dot on it, matrix, and yes. uh, and it had stereo. Although I think a lot of people didn't realize that. Um, cause it, yeah, it says stereo on the headphone jack. I mean, it's right there. Yeah, I mean that was a big deal back then. I may have, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if it was the first like console portable or not to to do stereo, but it's certainly a notable one to to introduce stereo. It's it is it is a notable feature. And uh, yeah. it, unfortunately, some games don't make use of that. I guess maybe they have the processing power elsewhere. But, um, I mean, a lot of games do, and, and they sound pretty good. Um, it makes the Game Boy sound much better than the NES, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I'm holding it right now. It is absurd how heavy the original Game Boy is. You have an original Game Boy. I do. Do you have the batteries in it? I do. So it's really, really heavy. It's really It's heavier than the original DS. Well, I don't know. I don't remember how heavy the original DS is because I, I parted with that a long time ago. But um, I'd hope it's heavier than the original DS. It is, it is a it is a heavy brick. It is that I managed that I it, managed to use until the Game Boy Color it, came out. What it, what it color is? It? is it gray or is it kind of it's, a yellowish? It's this, like grayish. It's it's gray. Yeah. But it's like a it's like a it's the same color Nintendo used for everything at that uh. point. Fun fact, it's also one of the main characters in Captain N. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone needs to be reminded of that. Mm. So, yeah, original Game Boy, it was a big deal when it first came out. Um, I mean, Tetris was huge. I think it was the, the first version of Tetris to come out in the Western market. Or, I mean, because it was like, or at oh, least really? like, well, maybe it came out on computer for free, but like it was a big deal. I I don't know. Maybe it came out on computer elsewhere, but I'm being a jerk. But Tetris was reached mainstream on the Game Boy. Oh, okay. That is, I mean, that was when it people were like, oh, that's what Tetris is. Cool, you know. And Nintendo was very was savvy. A, there was protracted legal fights over that game. There was, wasn't there? Yeah, yes. that's why. That's why I was thinking it was the first version released in Western markets, but. I guess it probably came out in some form on on PC and was spread around maliciously. Tangent, tangent yeah, version. Yeah, that's right. And I think I, I think there were like I think there were various versions floating out there, and the legality of them was under question. Yeah. I think that's the lawsuit was. was Nintendo v. Tengen, but that would probably be the third time Nintendo sued them. So yeah, that was <laughs> that was far far after I think the Game Boy version came out. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, you can correct me and talk back and tell me what a what a bad person I am for not knowing the history of how Tetris got released. But um, I think that it's really explored in Stephen Kent's book. Uh, what was it? What is it called? Uh, uh, Game over. Or yeah, that's it. Yeah, game over. You're right. So if you actually want to know, instead of just taking my half-assed uh, shot in the dark, go go check out that book. We are on our way to corrections. The podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go on to the second game, and uh, yeah. This is, of course, featuring the Game Boy's very rich bass. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess some NES games had had that kind of bass to it, but I think a lot of Game Boy games really kind of had this rich, bassy sound. It was, you know, that and stereo were like kind of the the big things. Barring, with the exception, of obviously, of color, the Game Boy was, in a lot of ways, superior hardware to the NES. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's portable, but it came out... You know, several years after the NES. Now, of course, the NES has all these daughterboard chips on it for a lot of their games. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, the Game Boy itself definitely has more processing in it than than the NES. Well, part of it might be it's a smaller screen and no color. That might help. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. It just seems like it's more powerful. Maybe it's just the perception. But... Um, yeah, I mean, compare this with like compare Super Mario Land for the Game Boy, which was a launch game with like pinball and you know really early NES stuff, and that's what the NES could do by itself, you know, like Mario Brothers right, for for enhancements came out. Yeah, so there's definitely more to the Game Boy than NES by its lonesome without any any special chips or the Famicom Disk System or whatever. But um, where were we? Oh yeah, game two.
So not only does this game feature me jumping around all over the place, it features me <laughs> talking out of my ass. Fantastic. That's, it's episode 50 for you, man. I, I'm, I hope you're glad to have me back uh, on Radio Trivia. It's a big deal. Yeah. It's a very big deal. <laughs> so, we have a question here for you. This one was written by uh, the requester, Roger. This is actually the, the game that was requested by a listener. On the pause screen, what is one of the main characters about to eat? Hmm. chord progression there oh yeah all right so would you do the honors and tell us what game this is this would be teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 back from the sewers indeed and like i said it was requested by roger 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 and um it's relatively faithful i guess to konami's uh other turtles games for consoles and arcade um, yeah. but uh, it's kind of crude. Um, I I did some research into this game and, and watched a bit of YouTube videos, and um, there's some hilariously bad animation in this game. Perfect. <laughs> um, the turtles all pretty much look the same, and they have this really blank, bug-eyed stare the entire time. Uh, so what, from, what, what year was this? I think it was 91. And... and because the screen's so small, I think they compensated by making them move slower. So it looks yeah. like they're kind of shuffling along, like not not really running. They're just sort of even less so than like the console games, where they're still kind of going slowly. They're they're yeah. sort of shuffling along. They were they were really uh, pushing this stuff out. Yeah. So Konami. Yeah. Konami, Konami was, was real active on the at Game Boy apparently. Mm -hmm. uh, I got their release list up. 89, they had two games out, and the Game Boy came out six months into the year almost. Mm -hmm. Well, this was, this was like a 91, and um, like I said, the animation is laughably bad. Go, go look it up, and, and like, uh, I think the, the bosses are pretty decently animated, but everyone else just like is sort of blankly walking around, 
and um, like Michelangelo holding his nunchucks, he looks like uh, Mr. Burns with his, like, his arms curled up, you know? Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the game mostly takes place on a 2D plane, but every once in a while it kind of sneaks into like the, the pseudo 3D going in and out of the screen. Um, I, I don't know why it isn't consistent, why sometimes it, it does it, sometimes it doesn't. See, that's weird, because even the NES games had that 3D plane. Did it? I don't. The first one was was the one with like an overworld and then the side scrolling sewer sections. You see, I only played Escape from New York, so. Oh, yeah. The, the first one, one. Yeah, the first one was I think pretty much a 2D scroller, and it, it's widely considered to be uh, painful to play. At least, <laughs> at least the water section is painful to play. Um, I know from experience. But uh, the second one, which was based on the the very popular arcade game. Um, the second one for the NES, the arcade game. I think that was actually the subtitle. But um, the arcade game did have this pseudo 3D going in and out, and it was really good. I really, I own that game. That was great. You could do two-player co-op, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't think this game has two-player co-op. It, it's, I think, a little more like the original, where you you choose one turtle, and when it gets captured, here, I guess when he gets captured, uh, you have to select a different turtle. And, and there's a way to rescue it, but you have to beat this boss that seems absurdly hard. It's like this robot guard that um, you have to beat under a certain amount of time, and whenever you get hit, the, the timer goes down. So it's oh, kind nice. of like a... I mean, you have, like, you know, crudely animated uh, flashing sprites that are hard to watch, you know? So Perfect. it seems like it's kind of hard. Um, yeah. Musically, this is, this is... Well, this is clearly a Konami game. Out, yeah, right like the, the first one sounds. The first song we played kept, sounded a lot like uh, like Metal Gear Solid for Game Boy Color, in my yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not surprising they'd already developed their sound though, because they put out. They've been putting out games for '75 for the arcade. So it, you know, I mean, out of all of the developers, I think them they're probably one of the easiest to pick out from the NES, Game Boy, even in the SNES era, just from the music alone. You just mean like the the types of instrumentation they tend to yeah, use? Yeah, just how it just how it sounds. Yeah. It's got a very the the modes and the type of music they're willing to do put into games. Hmm. They probably had like one composer working like one composer like ninety hours thirty six games yeah. a year. <laughs> that would be one explanation for them all sounding the same, but <laughs> well, they're they, similar. They put out they put out six Game Boy games every year for five years, according to this release list. Wow. Not, not including all the other systems they were releasing games on. So was there not the same like NES-style shortage of cartridges for the Game Boy as with the uh, NES? Is that part of it? I think I think there might... Well, it was a smaller thing to make. So yeah. it could be that they had more of them. It might just be that at that point, the shortages were kind of mitigated and Nintendo just wanted to get stuff out. Yeah. Short, well, by the way, the shortages are widely believed to be uh, at least partially uh, fabricated. No, well, that wouldn't surprise me at least. Yeah. Um, I think it was probably an issue originally, but then they drew, drew it out a lot. That's my suspicion, but I don't you, have you, facts you, to... You mean, you mean like uh, another piece of hardware they were suspected of having done that? Yeah, which piece of hardware? The Wii. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's true. They're 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 pushing pushing those out as fast as possible. I, I don't buy that one. The the intentional shortage of supply. I don't think so. 
Anyway, that we're talking about the Game Boy, not the Wii. Yes, we are. I apologize. About the Game Boy. So there were a lot of a lot of third party support for the Game Boy. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, obviously a lot right from the end. Konami. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo had ditched it, but there was still third party support that was quite notable. You know, like uh, by the end, there were things like uh, Mega Man Art. X and X2 from Capcom, and and oh yes, what else? Uh, well, Shantae, but that, I don't know if that really is a good example. But, uh, so right now you, you've listed Capcom, Capcom, and Capcom. God <laughs> damn it. Stuff out there. There's got to be other stuff out there. <laughs> there's, well, a lot, there's a lot of shovelware. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> there, was, there was the last two years of the Game Boy was an ocean of shovelware. Well, isn't that true of like, the Game Boy Advance, too? I mean, yeah. that's, oh, true yeah. of, that's true of most systems, frankly. Oh, yes. Um. Anyway, uh, Ninja Turtles 2, back from the sewers, Game Boy. Um, interesting Ooh. choice. I've never played it. I don't think I'd want to, based on the videos I've watched. But I suspect back at the time, it, it wasn't so bad. So the question. Oh, come on. It's it's Ninja Turtles. What do you think they were eating? <laughs> <laughs> well, now they eat healthy, so maybe, they, maybe your they fans do? are younger. They eat celery? Yes. They, the, they eat healthy stuff now. Is that just like the uh, the the cookie monster isn't the cookies monster anymore because yes, it's only a sometimes exactly. food? It's a sometimes food. Damn you, parents! <laughs> You're ruining everything that's good. Let me let me have my my hyper violent toys. Is that you mean pizza versus super mutant Carrot. hero turtles? Super mutant hero turtles. Oh god. Yeah, you yeah. think you think the concern about. Exposure to toxic radiation would be greater than the concern of them eating pizza for their health, <laughs> or the fact, or the fact that they're fighting with weapons. Yes, they're things. walking through New York with <laughs> weapons. That's not the problem. The problem is that they're being called ninjas. <laughs> Perfect, and that they're yeah. eating pizza. Let's not forget that. Oh yeah, bad influence, kids. Bad so it's influence. okay to live in sewers with sharp objects. Just don't eat pizza every day. Yeah, and, and ninjas are bad. Okay. <laughs>
also ominous. Well, this whole game is ominous. It, it is. It is actually. And the answer is pizza. Oh wait, no, no, no. Sorry. Perfect. Wrong thing. <laughs> game four. All right. <laughs> that was the game two. Game three. All right. What Mario villain makes a cameo as the lead singer of a group? A hideous group, by the way. Wouldn't have it any other way. So who picked this song, this game? Who picked this game? I think we yeah. both did. But we um, both said it. Yeah, pretty much. This is uh, one of the few Zelda games we have not used yet. Uh, it's Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. And uh, you know, one thing about the Game Boy that really you know impresses me is how it really successfully straddled the eight and sixteen-bit generation in terms of. Uh, gameplay experience. I mean, yeah. I mean, we start with Alleyway in our first game, which is like a rudimentary 8-bit game. And by 1994, the system has easily an SNES quality uh, experience with, with Zelda. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't. I don't think I can think of any better example than Link's Awakening of a full-featured, rich, modern experience on a handheld. Yeah, it's it's probably my favorite. Zelda game of the 2D era. It, mean, it really is. It really pushed the series forward in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, know? definitely. It, it's. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, this really is the next Zelda game. It isn't just some bastardized version of uh, Zelda: Link to the Past. I mean, this is its own thing. Um, and I guess a lot of people liken it to Majora's Mask in that it, although it kind of borrows and builds upon it, the one that came before it, it's very unique. Uh, I mean, Let's see, what, what, what did Link's Awakening introduce? It introduced uh, more atmospheric music and a different song for each dungeon. This was the first game uh, of many to do that. Uh, well, and the it, only one that's dropped the ball since then is Phantom Hourglass, and I sincerely hope they don't do that with uh, uh, Spirit Tracks. Spirit I Tracks. Sincere, oh my uh, I sincerely hope that they fix that problem. That really I, bugged me. I, I have music. other concerns for Spirit Tracks. No, me, me too. 
But, Namely uh, that it's called Spirit Tracks. <laughs> that too. But, uh, <laughs> but Link's Awakening, I mean, there was a lot of stuff. I mean, there was some non-player character interaction in oh, yeah, the third definitely. Zelda game and the second, player, second Zelda game, but this really kind of brought into the fold. There was real character interaction here yeah. where, where you had to help people out. I think this introduced... Was this the first game that had like a trading sequence in the Zelda game? If it if it wasn't, it probably still has the biggest trading sequence. Yeah. Thing. 13 um, steps. 13 step trading sequence. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff too. I mean, it, it took itself less seriously. There was a lot more humor in it than, than in previous Zelda games. Oh, it had the, um, uh, it had the, the date sec- sequence where Marin followed you around and you could go oh, to yeah, all the sites yeah, and she would yeah, interact okay. with you. I th- yeah, yeah, okay. I forgot about that. I mean, there was all sorts of stuff in this game, and and there were all these bizarre cameos. Since this is all a dream sequence, there are these bizarre cameos from oh from, yeah, like Goombas and and oh, you know there was like a ton Mario, of Mario and Luigi or yeah, like Mario and Luigi make a, a cameo appearance as, as yeah, other characters. Yeah, Mario is the female the female uh, counterpart's father, and then Luigi's a chicken herder up in the mountains. Yeah, that's hilarious. He's like holding onto a chicken that's flying around, and he, I think he's a fraidy cat even in, in that game. I mean, there's cameos even from stuff from, like, the SNES SimCity game. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's bizarre how many right, cameos so, are in this game. So the, the, we had a question about uh, one of these cameos, which was with, like, the, a singing group, and it's, like, a frog singing group, and Wart, who isn't even, like, arguably a Nintendo a Mario character. I guess he is no. now, but he, he makes us a cameo appearance. Uh, so this, this game is just really bizarre. As I mentioned in the Japanese special we did a long time ago, it's built upon the engine from. Uh, I'm going to botch it if I don't read the name. So, Kairu no Tame ni Kane wa Naru, which is uh, For the Frog the Bell Tolls, which is a Japan only <laughs> game. Um, and it has a lot of things that. I mean, it's really the same engine. Uh, like the 2D side scrolling sections in this game, which were also introduced in, in the. Oh. No, wait, Zelda didn't no. do that. But, yeah. but it feels very different in this game. I mean, the side-scrolling in this game is closer to what you find in, like, um, obviously the, the other Game Boy Color Zelda games and um, and the Four Swords Adventures. Now, now uh, is, this, is this the game, is this the first game that introduced the idea of collecting a bunch of artifacts to eventually get to the goal? Uh... Well, different artifacts, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there was Triforce pieces and, right. and crystals. In this case, ones. it was the eight instruments. Yeah, so Which... yeah, that, that's not a big instrument. But another thing, I think this had cutscenes that were a bit more it uh, did. Yes. notable than in previous games. I mean, it was the first game that had a cutscene where Link actually looked like he looked in the manual. Yeah. I mean, and he does. I mean, that, to me, that's also a pretty big deal. But, it uh, is... It's also the first game ever where you get to take a chain chomp out for a walk. Yeah, that's bizarre. There's certain things in this game that have kind of carried over outside of the dream sequence. Like, chain chops were first considered like a dog in this game, and now they act like dogs in all sorts of Mario games. Yeah. That, that was that's actually really one, of my, one of my favorite sequences of the game, because as you walk around with him, he just starts like jumping out and attacking, en- yeah. attacking just enemies everywhere. With this sadistic smile on his face. It begs the question: how, Why is Link dreaming about all these Mario characters? I mean, well, well, you know, it's it's not it's not the only Zelda game with Mario cameos. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I, they I, don't I really do, exp- don't some it, of, don't some of them show up in later Zelda games too, and without really any explanation. 
I'm sure like, they do. Are, are, are Goombas in like um, the other Zelda Game Boy Color games? I don't remember. They, they might be. I don't. I don't remember. I do. I do. I am kind of disappointed that you didn't pick. I mean, obviously you couldn't really use this game to keep the game secret. The Ballad of the Windfish. Yeah, I, that's a good song. It'll be in the background probably. Yeah. Uh, so I, one of my favorite parts of this game was just after you get each because as you complete dungeons you collect instruments to play it was to go to where you could play it yeah and you hear each part of the yeah as it builds on itself yeah that's pretty cool was this the first game to introduce the the concept of um, using the the chickens to fly there were chickens the in, in the Super Nintendo game I don't, yeah. I don't know if you really used it for anything yeah, there's some there's some weird stuff in this game. Like, like I said, it's a dream sequence. So it's clearly, the developers like, oh, let's just some, do this. Let's just do that. Oh, that's crazy. There's and some. At the end, we'll just say, oh, it's a dream. Ha ha. So, so they just throw whatever the heck they wanted. It's a great game. Say so you fly, a flying zombie bird. I mean, sure, why not? It's all a dream. So yeah. this is a real. This is really a great game, and it holds up today. Uh, there was a Game Boy Color remake that adds an extra dungeon and some other minor stuff like Game Boy printer support. It actually, it, um, it even though it was originally made as a black and white game, it looks really good after being colorified. Yeah, it's surprising. It, it looks really good. And people complained that uh, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons look too much like this game, which is true. But um, yeah, but I mean, they all look good. I mean, it colors surprisingly well. Compared to most other, I mean, a lot of other games are recolored. Yeah. Like early Game Boy Color with and, the uh, DX title. Yeah, but this one, this was definitely a good one, and, and I had never played it before, so I was really glad when I picked up the DX, the DX one. That was really good. So, I recommend this one. If Nintendo does a virtual console for virtual Virtual Boy, whatever you want to call it, um, <laughs> which they're denying at this point. Um, but if they do, I really hope they, they release this yeah, game. Yeah, I would, I would love to it's play It's one it. of the best for the Game Boy. fun song. 
That is a fun song. Yeah, I've used this game before, way back when, for the live version, in, and someone called it the Bumpity Song when I did. <laughs> Perfect. So that's, the bump, that's the Bumpity Song. I'll take it. Yeah. You'll also take the second song. What did you think? question. Well, not your question. You already know the answer. I haven't looked yet, so I don't know this one. Uh-huh. Which recognizable character drives the delivery truck in this game? Ooh. Yes, it is exciting. Why are you talking like that? It's real exciting. It's real exciting. I'm excited. I'm I'm, I'm nervous here what the game is. It's Game and Watch Gallery Three. Ooh. Although I, I think there's some bizarreness with this series and like in Australia, I don't know why, but in Australia they released some prototype version. So this is Game and Watch Gallery Four in Australia. (laughs) Might be the only time Australia ever got a Nintendo game that we didn't get, except. Or probably disaster day of crisis. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. You might want to fact check me on that one, but I, yeah. I seem to remember. Um, so I actually really got into Game Watch Gallery two and, and Game Watch Gallery three. I see, I see. I got into two, and then I never bought three. Um, well, I, I don't know. There's something simple but addictive about it. And I was never into the original Game and Watch ones, but. I really liked the modern modes where they had updated graphics and the music was real good 
The graphics were pretty impressive for the Game Boy, mm -hmm. at least the Game Boy Color. Um, and there were some interesting aspects to it. I mean, it retained kind of the the LCD-esque, you know, grid position type type stuff. Right. But it, I mean, the animations are fluid, and, and there's more to it. I mean, like I say, you move back and forth pretty quickly, but you can get hurt in the middle. It's not like the real rigid uh, placement of the original modes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so, I, I don't know, I really liked it. I mean, they used, they used Mario characters, Mario sprites. Um, and in Game & Watch Gallery 3, uh, my two favorite ones were the, this one where you're building a cake with Mario & Luigi. I actually own the original LCD for that. Although, actually, when I read more about it, I think I own, like, a Russian pirate version of it. Um, <laughs> I didn't know any better when I was a little kid, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, in the Game & Watch Gallery version, you're, you're building a cake, and uh, you kind of have to go back and forth, moving Mario up and down, Mario and Luigi up and down on either side. And when it gets to the top, you drop it off, and Mario is driving this delivery truck. And so that's, that's the answer to the, the question. And the other one I really liked is uh, Donkey Kong Jr., which is a lot like Donkey Kong Jr. for like the NES. If, if you ever played that for the NES, it's very similar. Um, and I thought it was a lot of fun, and it does not feel very Game & Watchy. It, it feels more like a real full game. Um, there are three, I think, levels that are in different positions, and there's like fruit to collect and things like that that make it more interesting. Um, yeah. And of course, there's the whole high score appeal to it too, which usually I, I don't care about, but I, I really got into in this game. Yeah, this could be it's a real score attack game if you think about it. Yeah. So basically, it you can do you can you can play these games pretty much forever. Yeah. And uh, one nice thing is they have like unlockables. At least I think Game Watch Gallery Three had quite a few, uh, where you're rewarded for playing the games. Um, and you know, some of the unlockables are really good, really good games. Um, but one confusing thing about this series, the Game Watch Gallery series, is that there's a lot of overlap between uh, the different games. A lot of them have the same uh, Game Watch Gallery entries. And so, if you look on Wikipedia, they have this grid for all the games that are included in some fashion. Most <laughs> of them have at least two checkboxes for two different Game & Watch Gallery games. Nice. So it's really confusing. And if it's like, oh, I want this game, you have to like do research to figure out which one you should buy. Um, so it's kind of weird. But uh, one reason I selected this game is that uh, their first Game & Watch was released on April 28, 1980, Ooh. which is very close to when... Uh, anniversary for the Game Boy, so it's kind of, I don't know, I felt like it was noteworthy. So this would be what, the, being the, the 29th. 29th anniversary? Damn. Th there's, there's something kind of kind of nice cyclical about that, considering it's their first handheld games and then their Game Boy games. Yeah. There's a nice... Yeah, there, there is kind of a zen balance to that or something. Uh, yin gang? I, I don't know. It's perfect. Talking out of my ass again. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it's funny you picked this game because I didn't realize you picked it until just now. Uh -huh. uh, so I went through and read the list, and I almost suggested Game and Watch Gallery Two as I was digging through my mm -hmm. Game Boy games because I thought that would be cruel and sadistic, and we could use the old the old music mode. Well, there's no music for that. I just like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what the hell is this? 
Yeah. Well, this is Game Watch Gallery 3. We've already used the second one. That one had Helmet in it. That was my favorite game in 2. Um, 3, I mean, I think the fourth one for GBA has the most games in it. I wouldn't be surprised. So that, that might be the one to get if, if you want to buy one. Well, what's uh, the... Uh... What, I, what, I, what I don't understand is that they've like released these special edition ones for DS in Japan. Yes, for the I club want those so but, but they're just the original Game & Watch, and there's only like two or three of them in each card. It just seems worthless to me. I mean, it never made sense to me why they didn't just put those out. You know, in one in one card, all of them on there, because it, I mean, the DS is so perfectly suited to emulating the Game and Watch games. I mean, yeah, it looks but... it looks like a Game and Watch. Well, why would you want to play that and not? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, it'd be nice if they did the graphical enhancements. I don't know. I I would not be surprised if some of the graphically enhanced games meandered in some form over to DSiWare. Yeah, I mean, I would I would pay for a full price game if it had a bunch of them on there. Like, or if they had, like, one for one or two hundred points, that would make sense. Now, did yeah. did the uh, the Zelda Game & Watch ever appear on any of these? I don't think they I did. I, I think it did. Did it? I think it did, but it, it may have been kind of botched. I wouldn't be surprised uh, to hear that. Once again, I have not done my research. Yeah, well, that, so. that's, that's, that's the Game & Watch that every time I see one on sale, I always try to buy and always say, okay, too rich for my blood, back out. Well, uh, Game Watch Gallery 3, uh, yeah, I don't know, I liked it. I, I guess maybe it's not the biggest or best Game Boy Color game out there, but I enjoyed it. Well, I was going to say, it's kind of surprising that these games came out late in the Game Boy's life. You would almost expect them to do Game & Watch Gallery stuff earlier, while they were still yeah, trying, uh, trying to create content for the handheld games. Instead, they did it after the third parties had really taken over the platform in the post-Pokemon era. Yeah, that is kind of strange. I mean, most of them will have a color mode because they're so late. I mean, it really was. This is, let's see, there was the, Pokemon was about 10 years ago. And then everything after that, third parties really drove the platform. Because at that point, it was, you know, that was that second surge of the game set, of the system sales. And Nintendo could basically just sit back and let, take in the money from the uh, licensing. Mmm, money. Free money, you know, do anything. We should probably head on to the last we should, game. We should definitely get to the next game. Yeah.
this game i do too i do too although i, I have some some complaints about it yeah we'll talk about, yeah I'll, I'll talk about that after the third song Energetic. Yes. Energy. Things are going to happen. Or are happening right now. As we speak. Oh, yeah. The question. Question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. Things aren't happening right now. <laughs> they should be. <laughs> they should be, but I'm taking my time. Um, aside from the difficulty settings, what secondary mode can you play after completing the main game? Oh, well, I guess there are two The answers. credits. Yeah, there are actually two answers, but uh -oh. we'll talk about them. I just realized that. I'm better now than later.
Okay. That 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 should be your giveaway. I yeah, I mean, if you don't recognize the song, you should at least kind of recognize the instrumentation. Um, this is. Oh, me? Yes, you. <laughs> Fire Emblem. Right. The original. The first well, one. The, the, well, the first one for the U.S. Yes, the first Nintendo. one in Western markets. Giving yeah. the fans what they want 12 years too late. <laughs> well, they've made good, right? They've, they've remade the first one and released it here. So everything's all peachy keen now. Here, meaning America, even though I'm in Japan. Uh, uh, where, they had it, where they had it originally. <laughs> you, have, you have demolished the fourth wall. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, Fire So this is obviously a Game Boy Advance game. Um, and I guess the only Game Boy Advance game of, of this episode. But um, if the Game Boy straddled the 8 and 16-bit era, the Game Boy Advance is what brought the genuine like 16-bit-ish uh, right. details to portables in terms of sound and, and color palette and everything. Um, and uh, Fire Emblem, I mean, this is a big release. I mean, uh, there have been several Fire Emblems now. It's popular in Western markets. This was the first one, and um, I had a lot of fun with this one. I, I really... Yeah, me too. I, I think it may have been the first game I played with my SP... Um, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun, and it, and it was probably my first tactical strategy game. So, I mean, it was something real new for me. Um, I just remember being frustrated that this series had never come out in the U.S. after having gone through all the uh, like the ogre battle games and right. similar similar genre games, and then you could almost tell that Nintendo kind of wanted to put it out when they put. Martha and Roy and Melee. Right. Because, right, I mean, they're, they're, not, a, they're not a company who just do that randomly. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there was some thought there. Because I remember I had played a translated <clears throat> version of the SNES game, which would be the one that's now on the DS, way back when. I thought it was absolutely Well, well wait, wait a second. I thought that the DS one was based on the original Fire Emblem 1 for NES. Okay, maybe it's maybe this is 2 then. Okay, yeah, you're right. The DS is the NES one. Yeah, okay, this is two, I guess. I, I thought there was more than one for the NES. Oh, there okay, probably is. They're, they're go, up, go they're on. To what, nine? Are we, are we on nine I, now? I, I don't know. I, I'm glad Something they don't absurd. number them. I'm, I'm glad they don't number them, personally. Oh, um, yeah, because then, then you'd realize how many of them there are. Just, just soul-crushing experience. Yeah. I just remember that I really enjoyed the game, and I was disappointed that it's at the time it seemed like that game was never going to come out here. And that, that whole series was just <laughs> just adding fuel to the Earthbound fans' fire. Yeah, bring yes, us exactly. mother three. You brought fire on them. But uh, I really like this game. But uh, there is one really bad design flaw, in my opinion, uh, at least for this particular entry. And uh, it's that uh, I was new to the series. I was new to tactical RPGs. I really didn't know the rules of the road. It's very easy to screw yourself over if, oh, you yeah. let, if you let the wrong characters die. Or, in my case, I wasn't relying on the quote-unquote correct characters. So yes. I had really strong characters that at the final in the final stage, you're forced to use like all of your lords and some other characters. And I had not been using my lords very much. I'm right. like, oh, well, if they die, the game's over, so I'm not going to use them. And so... I could not beat the final level because I was forced to use these characters that were pathetically weak. 
and I wound up playing the entire game over again like oh, a year later just God. so I could beat it. Because I, I mean, I wanted to play Final Rumble again, so it was okay, but it was it's very, very frustrating to get oh, to the yes. very end and you realize there is no way I can beat this. I don't have enough characters well, it, that can survive one hit it, from, it's, from the enemy. It's funny because I, I actually overreacted to that because I experienced it more minorly. Mm-hmm. I did finally beat it. I overreacted to that when I played um, the GameCube game, Path of uh-huh. Radiance, which we've used <laughs> how many times on, on Radio Trivia now? Well, once for podcast editions, but I'm sure twice or so for uh, yeah. for the live yes. And um, I actually overreacted and created all my, my lords to be ridiculously powerful, and then in the end game, they're really not very useful. Because you're, you're, you're forced to kind of send them out to go recruit people, right? So but you need the, them, but you, but you need them for this final final show. Yeah, it's it's kind so. of funny because if you you, you kind of have to be really overly careful with making sure everybody's balanced. Yeah, I, and that would be okay if they had kind of enforced that to some extent along the way. Like if, if there were other parts along the way where you had to use these characters to to beat a mission, it would kind of force you to, oh, I better make sure these guys are at least competent so that, you know, they can hold their own. Yeah. You know, there was absolutely. never that, there was never, and I think they've realized that, and, and I haven't had that problem since. No. Um, or course, maybe, of you, course, it's you, because you I'm aware that. of that issue. Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, I haven't seen a, a situation in Fire Emblem since then where you're forced to use many of your lords uh, in the final one. I mean, like, literally, like, okay, 12... You have to choose ten guys, and six of them have to be these characters. I haven't okay. seen anything that dramatic for the final showdown in uh, another Fire Emblem game. Yeah, I, I, I just what, haven't seen it. See, I'm kind of surprised they did it, though, because they made this game knowing it was going to be the first game in Western markets. So the, the entire first section of the game is really, really introductory compared to what the first section of the other games are like. Sure. Where they're much more like, you know what, you should know what you're doing by now. Just, but, just suck, suck it up and go for it. Yeah, well, it was an oversight. They, they yeah. I mean, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't realize that I had to level up those characters. Yeah, <laughs> these these people are important. Please level them. But, well, they say no. These people are important. Don't let them die. Is, yes. So, so keep them safe. So fine. I'll yeah. hold them way back here. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so, then you're screwed. Yeah. But even so, it's it's a really fun game. Um, and and. Um, I mean, had, there was a lot of stuff for GBA. I mean, we could have chosen so many different games. Oh, yeah. Uh, we've used a lot of GBA games on Podcast Edition already. But, I mean, the, the GBA was huge. And, and there was a lot of stuff like, you know, Castlevania games. Or, you know, th- those were huge for the GBA. I mean, they, they were on the original Game Boy, but they were, you know, bastardized versions of stuff compared to... Yeah, every, everything you know, in that... I'd say after the first year of the GBA... There were there was some really good games that came out around year, year two. Yeah, I mean, third party support was huge on the GBA. I mean, which it I mean, Sonic Sonic started showing up on the GBA with some really good stuff, uh, like you know Castlevania. Uh, let's see what what else. There was a lot of stuff. I'm I'm not thinking straight. There, Mega Man, those, yeah, Mega those Man those Zero, Mega Man, the 66 Mega Man games for the Game Boy yeah. Advance, <laughs> and and really all of that's a carryover from the late era Game Boy where. Yeah, in the post Pokemon era, where the Game Boy became a huge platform to put easy money in. Yeah, I mean, so GBA is huge. I mean, it held its own. I mean, it was the only game in town, really. Yeah, I mean, and, let's, uh, I don't even think we could name all the competition Nintendo beat off for the handheld market. 
I mean, it's just, it's just... Oh, every... maybe, maybe we should try it, because this is the Game Boy special. What, what, what are the God. victories here for Game Boy? Let's see, there was, uh, of course, like, all the little other LCD things, like the, the Tiger, right. well, Tiger and th stuff. There's, you can start early with, with the Lynx from Atari. Uh-huh, Lynx, yeah. You have the, the obviously Game Gear. The game gear right? Then you have which, the Nomad. Which is portable, except that... It takes six battery life was, yes. Yeah, the battery life was well, it, it, it probably gave the, the best fight. Yeah, out, out of everything. And it, it hung yeah. around for a while, but it, it eventually sort of folded under the weight of Sega's complete utter incompetence. incompetence. <laughs> yes! And then, so. and then there's, there was the Nomad, which was that complete and utter incompetence. I, actually, I like the Nomad. I mean, obviously it wasn't really a portable. It was a lame attempt, but it, it's still like a cool thing to have. I mean, How, I, how I many batteries did that thing kill? I don't know. But, but I played on one. It was pretty fun playing Sonic 3 and Knuckles with... With a little portable there, you know, Although, it's, like it stuck out, like you know, <laughs> really yeah, it's, it's like way out here. <laughs> but um, let's see, there's that thing that Tiger made. What was it? The Game.com. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I remember. Well, let's let's try for something a little better. Wonder Swan and Wonder Swan Color. Yes. Um, um, it's gotta have been some others. Th there's uh, there's other stuff out there. I just can't think of it right off. Yeah, but but. Square finally crawled over to Nintendo's camp with Final yeah. Fantasy on the Game oh, yeah, Boy they, Advance. They held out on the Wonder Swan. They held out, and then they we, ported those ports to yeah, GBA. They ported those ports <laughs> to only Square That's, and no, that, that was really yeah, and, and Capcom and Konami. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, good, good times. Good times. Yeah, and I mean, really, it wasn't until this generation of handhelds that there was any serious competition. And even that, yeah. you know... How serious is, is the PSP as a gaming platform? I don't know. It, it has some strong games on it. It does. Have, it has a strong it, library, it, library, but I mean, it just it isn't. It doesn't have the whole portable thing going for it. A lot of people are playing it as just a handheld. I mean, people do that for the D DS too, where they'll just play yeah. it for another TV or something. But it's less practical to use your PSP port. I, I mean, it can be done. It is done, but it's not as portable friendly as the DS in general. Um, no. and it's it's not the competition that I think analyst or Sony were, was expecting it. Right. It's yeah. done better than I mean, it's done better than any other competition. Oh yeah, for, definitely. I mean, and it's, it's, that's been good for Nintendo, I think, because it it forced them, to, you know, to stay on. The, it kept us from getting the original version of the DS they showed at E3. Yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. That thing was fugly. Thank you. So we owe Sony a lot of thanks for that. I mean, granted, yeah. the DS fat has its problems. But oh my god! It isn't the. I mean, people say that the DS is like a brick, but the one they showed off at E3 2004, four, I think. 2004 maybe. Was uh, that was a brick. I mean, <laughs> it was even it shaped was, like one. Yeah, it was bad. It was a but, white uh, plastic brick. Oh, it was hideous. No, it wasn't white. It was. It was gray. It's a gray. Okay. It was gray, it wasn't but it, it looked ugly. It didn't. Ha I mean, they they kind of sleep made it sleeker. They had like kind of the edges on the top that made it look which, better. Which ended up cutting your hands if you used the, game, the DS too long. Yeah, I guess. But it, yeah. it looks sharper. I mean, I, I don't know. The original one was just like a round brick. Yes. It looked like it looked like some sort of tile you might use on a roof or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but but it eventually it got us the DS Lite, and I think the PSP is greatly responsible for the DSi. Yeah, I think maybe. I think I think some of the changes that came to that, the integrated web browser, the addition of, you know, camera functionality, the ability to download software. Oh, you mean like the like the iToy which came out well, well 
you know, well, after their original Game Boy Camera concept for Golden, uh, was it GoldenEye or was it Perfect Dark? It was Perfect Dark. Perfect and Dark. And then they, they canceled it unceremoniously. Yeah. And then Sony's like, hey, we should do that. And so they did it. Yeah, I, I think I think amazingly, that might be the only time I know of where a game was delayed to take things out of it. <laughs> I, but, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because, I mean, the Game Boy, I say with the DSi, is officially dead. Because, oh, the Game Boy's been dead for a long time. And, but, I mean, with the Game Boy oh, yeah. Advance slot on the bottom, you know, there was yeah. still kind of something there. But with the DSi, it's gone. Yeah, I mean, it's gone. It's, it's gone, gone. And I don't... I honestly don't believe Nintendo's going to bring back that branding for their next hand. I don't think so either. There's no need to. Um, yeah, it's I not, think... I mean, the DS has been, I mean, a very well, worthy successor to the Game Boy series, and it has captured everything that is awesome about Game Boy, so... But it's, it's not Game Boy. It's a third pillar. Uh, third pillar, and the second one was torn down after the third <laughs> one was built. <laughs> it was a replacement. Uh, but, it's, but, I mean, I think Nintendo's branding... Whole, its whole branding strategy's changed. So sure, absolutely. I don't think the addition, terms like Game Boy would even be something they'd like to use anymore. I mean, I don't no. think... Have, I mean, have they really made much of a deal about the fact it's the 20th anniversary? Have we really gotten it? I don't think no. we've really gotten... We've really gotten no, even, no reminder. I mean, they could have done like a 20th anniversary of Nintendo Portables kind of thing, but... They could have Maybe used, they just didn't have anything to do. So they could they have released us it. a press release. I mean, they yeah, they could have, you're right. Yeah, they didn't even say like, "Hey, you know, bajillion portables, Nintendo portables sold." One hundred eleven point seven Game Boy. Yeah. Non Game Boy Advance, Game uh, Boy, Game Boy Color sold. They could just send us that reminder. Yeah. Twenty years ago, we took, we basically created an industry and then dominated it for fifteen years. I mean, they could do something, but no, they're just like, whatever. That's why we're doing this because yeah, Nintendo exactly. doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, but, so uh, we'll, we do. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll call their PRP, beg for a job. We can't we can't do worse. <laughs> Careful there. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Game Boy's awesome. Um, I mean, there's a whole lot I'm sure we haven't said about it. Yeah. Um, oh, I think one one thing we should point out though is even when Nintendo's console business was not not good, that their handheld enterprises. We're basically driving that company and really keeping them keeping them going till we we had the Wii. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it was amusing when they were doing this connectivity thing that they were thinking of the Game Boy as being or the Game Boy Advance as being kind of the accessory to the GameCube. No, I mean, no. it was always the other way around. And, it was, yeah. And it, I know, like, I think Johnny was was making this observation. Like, why don't why aren't they making a Game Boy Advance game that somehow uh, leverages the GameCube because that's really where the user base is. Right, to make the GameCube um, desire, more desirable versus right. the GBA, where if you owned a GameCube, you almost certainly owned a GBA. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But, um, you know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> connectivity. But we, we've uh, we've crossed the connectivity grounds before. Okay, I, I, th- I think we're dragging on a little here. A little bit, yeah. So uh, <laughs> let, let's, let's close this up. Uh, Happy 20th, uh, Game Boy. You're Indeed. old enough to drink now in, in Japan, so in Japan, go, yeah. go have a pint. Um, what, what would a Game Boy drink? Batteries. Liquefied batteries. <laughs> All right. Have some acid. <laughs> we, we've, we, we've officially gone too long now. Bye. Bye.
Alleyways, copyright 1989 Nintendo. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Back from the Sewers is copyright 1991 Konami. The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening is copyright 1993 Nintendo. Game & Watch Gallery 3 is copyright 1999 Nintendo. Fire Emblem is copyright 2003 Nintendo Intelligent Systems. That was a terrible ending. <laughs> it's okay, the music will make it awesome. That, that was an RFN ending. Okay. <laughs> I'm tired. Awesome episode, get the hell out of here. <laughs> God, it, it's like 3 in the morning now, we need to stop. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so much stuff we could have talked about too that it, it's hard to really go into. Yeah, we like, could have made more of a list, but I, I think we covered the big stuff. I mean, heck, we could have talked about the addition of the Rumble Pack to the Game Boy Color cartridges if we really wanted to. Is that necessary? Yes, <laughs> it's vital. It's pivotal. What about the transfer pack? Damn it! Oh yeah, what about the what about the Game Boy camera? Which we did kind of touch on. Yeah, but yeah man, the transfer pack. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's re-record everything. <laughs> gotta get the Game Boy printer in there. I think I mentioned that with. Uh, uh, we, we might have vaguely mentioned it, or the yeah. the ability to hook up your cell phone to your Game Boy, your Pokemon Crystal, and transmit over the cell phone frequencies. Gotta get oh, all this right. stuff in there. It was a terrible feature. I can't oh, imagine anyone ever. What about what about the, the, the like the wireless botched wireless just for like Pokemon Leaf Green? <laughs> oh yes. There's actually a really what the good hell is article. Up with that? There's a really good article on how that came to be, and even after reading, I'm like, why the hell did you do this? No, I mean, at first everyone's like, oh, it makes sense. It's basically a link cable, but wireless. And they're like, oh no, it's only for this game. <laughs> it's only for what? this game and the what? other version of this game. <laughs> we like money. <laughs> That's what we're oh, it, costs, it costs twenty dollars to enjoy. <laughs> what were you doing? Oh god, the e-card reader. Oh, the e-card reader. Oh my god! And a e-card you can get. You can play uh, Paperboy on paper cards. Oh, 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 oh! Kirby, Kirby's Tilt and Tumble. The Tilter. Yes. God, we need to re-record this whole episode. It just has to be uh. done now. The, all the cables that you have to get to do multiplayer on this damn thing. And, and then, and then at E3 when they were showing off the micro, the booth babes were instructed to like hype up how there's a headphones. Like, can you believe that Nintendo finally has a headphone jack in there? And that's what the people representing Nintendo are saying. <laughs> <laughs> the micro, third pillar.